Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans, presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the Burgundy and Blue, Mike Evans. Hey everybody, welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by Fort Comfort Cut, uh, Fort Comfort Gutters. Your comfort, our priority. As uh, we jump into another week of Avalanche hockey, fresh off a weekend in which they split. They went up to Winnipeg and got beat pretty soundly, then came home and uh, beat San Jose pretty easily. So we'll we'll kind of work in order here. The Winnipeg game, that, boy, the schedule makers do, don't do you any favors, do you? And, and, and I get it. You're professional and all this and all that. But let's face it, Winnipeg <laughs> in December is is not an ideal destination spot for anybody. Even hockey players that are used to uh, playing in cold weather cities and all that, a a one game road trip to Winnipeg just doesn't make sense. I mean, that's that's something where you just buckle up and you prepare for the fact that you're going to be gone for a week and you're going to Edmonton and Vancouver and Calgary and Winnipeg and just get all the misery out and done in one one fell swoop. But it was a one off, one game road trip to Winnipeg, and I'm, I'm not surprised at the Avalanche. Didn't exactly put forth their best effort. I think that sometimes you just got to, when you're talking about these these professional hockey players, any professional athlete, there are just going to be times where you just don't really feel the motivation um, with what the schedule's giving you. And and that was a, that was a tough one. That, that was almost one where, like, you have a scheduled loss. You know, sometimes you just, as a team, as a coach, as a fan – you look at it and you just say, boy, this one just feels like we're being set up for, for a loss. And it happened. It happened. Winnipeg's a good team. Winnipeg, they're, they're no joke. Uh, but I would, I would love to see the Avalanche in Winnipeg in, in, a, in a, a, a footing, a setting where I felt like the Avalanche would maybe be a little bit more engaged. Then let's see what happens. But, no, so far Winnipeg's proven to be – uh, a little bit of a thorn in the aft side, so we'll we'll see how this plays out as the season goes along. Uh, certainly adding a little bit of intrigue in the division, so uh, away we go. But uh, as far as then bouncing back and coming right back and beating San Jose, what a, what a perfect team. I know San Jose's been playing better of late, but still, they're, they're a horrible hockey team. And, and for the Avalanche to be able to get the win that they did, 6-2, and, and to jump right out on them. You know, they scored the three goals early on. Uh, Jared Bednar was talking about how they got that major penalty early in the game. He said, you know, it's funny. Normally you would think that getting a power play that early is a good way to jumpstart a game. But he said, you know, so often it it takes guys uh, a little bit of time to engage in the game. And just because you get a, a, a power play like that early on, it, it's not always uh, a surefire thing to, to be able to get get your team going, but the avalanche did jump out to that three, nothing lead um, in the, in the first period. And boy, what, what a dominant dominant. I'm just checking my notes here. I want to make sure I have the numbers correct, but what a dominant performance by that, that top line, Val Nechuskin, Miko Rantanen and, and Nathan McKinnon, as Bednar was talking about afterwards, just, just a juggernaut of, of a line. And you're getting, Two goals, two assists from uh, McKinnon, a goal from Val, uh, a goal from from Rantanen. Th- that is that's 
that's dangerous right there. That is, that is lethal right there. So you take that as as the abs and you put that aside and you, you feel good about that and, and that's something you can rely upon. But if, if there's an issue still with this hockey team that, that bears watching – and we're looking about at the big picture here, okay? This isn't about just beating the San Jose Sharks 6-2 to two in, in the middle of December. This is about taking a look at this hockey team and asking yourself, do they have the pieces in place to be able to win a Stanley Cup? That, that, that's all this is about, right? It's not about beating San Jose in December. It's about, do you feel like this team is set up to win a Stanley Cup? And it's... The storyline that we started out talking about this season, and it continues to be the number one issue surrounding this hockey team, is the supporting cast around this this core. And Bednar himself admitting, I'm still kind of trying to figure out those second and third lines. And he's moving guys around. And and you look at some of the combinations right now, and you're, you're looking at um, – Ross Colton with Miles Wood and, and Jonathan Drouin. You got Ryan Johansson, who was brought here to be the second-line center. Now he's 3C on that third line with Cogliano and, uh, and O'Connor. In Bednar's words, he wants to get some 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 workers, some, some real grit guys, energy guys with Johansson uh, to try to get, get him going. Now he did have a goal in the San Jose game, and that's that's a good sign, but it, it continues to be... Uh, the biggest issue with this hockey team. And as I said, a couple, I think last week on this podcast, these are first world problems. Okay. There, there are plenty of hockey teams that would love to have the issues that the avalanche have, but the avalanche they're they're playing in such rarefied air, right? They're, they're all about trying to win a cup that you, you look at the uncertainty and you look at Bednar admitting and acknowledging that he's still trying to figure out these second and third lines that's that's crucial right that that's everything as you you look down the road and want to see where this team is going to be and how they're set up to try to make a Stanley Cup run so we'll continue to watch that develop the other thing is we saw Tomas Tatar traded <laughs> just last week we were on this podcast talking about hey he finally got off the schneid he finally got a goal goes 26 games without a goal he finally gets one and his reaction was just like you know thank goodness right you know the heavens will open now right and you think, all right, maybe he's uh, he'll go on a little bit of a heater here. Instead, he's traded to the Kraken for a fifth-round pick. And it it does call into question uh, the job that the front office is doing. And it, it does need to be scrutinized a bit here because last year this front office did not do a good job of putting together a supporting cast around their core. They acknowledged that by how sweeping the changes were with the supporting cast this year. And one of those acquisitions was Tomas Tatar, and it was met with a lot of um, optimism, a good value signing, that there was a lot of upside to what he was going to be able to bring, and he was going to be part of this uh, – Part of this puzzle, if you will. And what, a third of the way, a little, little uh, more than a third of the way through the season, they move on from him and for just getting a fifth-round pick. Now, plenty of speculation out there is that this might be a precursor to a bigger move by the Avs, 
We shall see. Again, it is the storyline of the season is this puzzle that the the roster puzzle that the Avalanche put together before this this season how does it play out how do the pieces fit and by the time you get closer to the trade deadline are there going to be some uh, other moves that you need to make to address what you have discovered over the first part of your season as being not enough as lacking and you got to go out and you got to address it so uh right away Tatar hey I, I mean I do give him credit for this okay it was a miss I guess it was a bust, right? It was a front office bust. They missed. But you don't want to just continue to belabor the miss, right? If you just don't think that this guy's going to fit and he needs a change of scenery, then you don't just belabor and hold on to a situation and, and let a situation that isn't working out, you don't let it fester. You cut it off. You rip off the Band-Aid. And um, you move on. Uh, as as far as other issues with this, this hockey team, um, Kale McCarr out with a lower body injury. Again, not expected to be anything serious, but, you know, Kale's been dealing with, you know, some nagging uh, injuries this year, and that is, of course, just everything. If you're going to have any chance of making a run in the Stanley Cup, you got to have a healthy uh, Kale McCarr for hopefully all four rounds. So continuing to watch his health, see if they can get that to the point where uh, he's a little bit more consistent in, in terms of being in the lineup. But uh, uh, the Avs losing to Winnipeg, bouncing back, beating San Jose. Uh, top line is rolling. Good to see Miko Rantanen get going again. You kind of had a feeling after, what, a nine-game goal streak drought for, for Miko that once he got that that first one, they'd start to come pretty rapidly, and they are. Val Nechuskin's playing really well. Nathan McKinnon, by the way. Can we talk a little bit about Nathan McKinnon? I I – I loved what Jared Bednar said about McKinnon that the way this guy goes about his business and he's such a pro, he is obsessed, consumed with doing the right thing, taking care of himself, eating well, putting the time in, in the gym. He also says some interesting things about the way that McKinnon practices. He said, McKinnon's not one of those, um, you know, high rep type guys, you know, just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it over and over again. He's somebody who believes I don't need to be out there a long time. I don't need to do whatever the drill is a lot, not as many reps, but he does them so hard with, with so much effort, so much energy that he gets out of it what he needs. And then on to the next thing. Don't need to be out there a ton of time working on uh, one drill over and over again, get the work in, get the reps done, do it at a high tempo, high energy, and it just goes to show, you know, there's different kinds of leadership, right? Gabe Landeskog is that perfect captain type where he 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 leads certainly by example, but he also seems to know how to uh, deal with teammates, talk to teammates, whereas McKinnon, maybe his style, we've heard about this from the the time that McKinnon first got here. This guy burns hot. He burns real hot, and... He makes a lot of demands of himself, but he also makes a lot of demands of his teammates. And, you know, some have said that, hey, you know, Nate's style isn't for everybody because of how hot he burns. But to me, if you have a room full of guys that aren't embracing and aren't reacting to Nathan McKinnon's form of leadership, and the way that he pushes himself and everybody around him, how he demands so much of himself and people around him. If if you have guys in that room who 
can't appreciate the way McKinnon goes about his his business, then you, you got the wrong guys. Now, that, those are questions that were talked about maybe early on in his days, and there were some players that had been uh, moved on from that uh, maybe didn't mesh with, with what uh, McKinnon's style was. But it, it's clear now that they do, and they've got a Stanley Cup to prove it. And McKinnon just continues to to play at a, a level that is, you know, unbelievable. I, I, I've said this many times on the radio show here. I, I hear all the talk about these other forwards. I hear talk about the Connor McDavid's um, and, you know, some of these other, you know, top guys. And I've always said it for my money. I got one game. The aliens are coming down. They're challenging us to a hockey game for supremacy of the universe. Um, I want Nathan McKinnon out there. And I'll take Nathan McKinnon over any other forward uh, that, that's out there because he is a combination of talent, um, ferocity out on the ice, determination, hunger, skill. He's the total package. He just is. And for for my, my money, my money, I've always said that Kale McCarr is the guy that if I had to start a franchise, I'd start it with McCarr just because of his ability to dominate on both ends of the ice as a defenseman and as a uh, offensive force. But if we're just talking about uh, the great the great forwards out there, then for my money, I I take McKinnon and everybody else. To me, is is second. So I guess what I'm saying is, is if I if I had my choice uh, to start a hockey team with any two players, it would be Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon. Is that too much of a homer take? I don't think so because I think there are probably plenty of hockey teams around uh, the NHL that would probably agree with me, fans of other hockey teams, that if you had a chance to start your franchise with any two guys, might you take Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr out of everybody? Maybe it's just not an avalanche thing. Anyway, that's uh, where we're at right now. That'll do it for this uh, edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Your comfort, our priority. And we'll be back later in the week. If I don't get a chance to talk to you later in the week, please have a very Merry Christmas and a happy, happy holiday season. And uh, may your stocking be full of avalanche merchandise and avalanche gear, maybe some tickets thrown in there. Oh, I always loved getting tickets as a uh, as a Christmas present. So uh, hopefully Santa's very good to you, the Colorado Avalanche hockey fam. We'll see you later in the week here on the podcast.